Hear the word of our Lord from Philippians chapter 2, beginning in the first verse. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. There are a lot of calls in Holy Scripture for unity, for unity of the brethren in Christ. Traditionally, one of the ways that we have expressed this unity is by liturgy. The church gets together and expresses the same thing. We express our faith in Christ through the recitation of the creed. We express our common need for salvation in confessing our sins together. Everything ends up being a collective participation in what God has brought us to at the divine service. So liturgy is a precious thing. It is a wonderful treasure that the church has had now for 2,000 years. Ever since Pentecost, we have engaged in liturgical practices. The same should be for house churches. And so I am proud to announce that on verylutheran.biz, under the resources tab, we have a free, 100% free, order of divine service. And we're going to go through it today to describe what's happening and why. Lutheran liturgy is incredibly important to the life of the church. Contemporary worship services might be okay. If you're going to be like a Baptist and have a liturgy as simple as, so first we play a song, and then we have some announcements, and then we read some Bible, and we play a couple more songs, then we hear preaching for 45 minutes, then two more songs, and we go home. Maybe there's some prayer in there. That's fine, I guess, but it does not have the life, the rhythm, the intense unity expressed in liturgy, however simple or complex it may be. Personally, I find simple liturgy to be best. Liturgy that follows the traditions of the church, that still participates in what Christians have participated now for two millennia. But at the same time, I also understand that people prefer high church liturgy as well. A lot of people like the smells and bells. They like their service going long. They like to stay with rapt attention at everything that is going on. So even if the sermon is a verified dog turd from a new pastor or something like that, you still always have communion. You still always have the entire body of the church service. Perfectly fine. And we will be providing a high church liturgy this year on verylutheran.biz. I want each and every individual house church to have options for expressing their freedom in Christ. But for today, the very first free divine service is in a more simple format, and it's very prayerfully oriented. Let's get into it. I'm going to go ahead and read the author's note and we'll get into the mechanics of how everything works. So first, the first free setting is a quiet order of divine service. 
Faithful Christians find themselves returning to the catacombs more and more. It's an appealing thing as our age and many denominations continue in their slide to spiritual irrelevancy. We're going back to the house church model. We are going back where we find that if you have politically incorrect opinions or something, you won't be kicked out because it's a house church where everybody is on the same page. So, we are returning to it and appealing for free worship. So here, as a quieter setting, we are paying homage to those who have gone underground before us. And thus, none of the components of the liturgy are sung. You can add hymns if you like, but there is a lot of chanting that goes on in higher church liturgies that Christians did not have the opportunity to engage in when they're hiding from Roman authorities or hiding from Roman Catholic inquisitors or hiding from other Lutherans. See, this is referred to as the free setting because inspiration is taken from and honor given to the free Lutherans who were the first to face persecution from false Lutheran bodies and state churches. See, the first group to persecute Lutherans after the Roman Catholic Church was Lutherans. You can point to the Anabaptist uprisings like the Munster Revolt and everything, but those are little flashes in the pan. When Hagee was around trying to bring people back to the scriptures, the state Lutheran church had colluded with the crown to effectively ban private Bible study. They were so worried about pietism and they were so worried about uh, various threats from the reformed that they outlawed you having a home Bible study. Hagee was arrested over a dozen times. The man was thoroughly persecuted just for telling people, hey, we can have a relationship with this God and we can study his word together. So the state churches persecuting us that's nothing new. And chances are it's going to happen again as certain Lutheran denominational bodies have decided they want to go in a certain way and it's not a biblical one. Now, for people that are brand new to liturgy or running liturgy, maybe you were part of a church and you've decided to depart from it because it is going in an unbiblical way, as so many even confessional Lutheran bodies are doing, let not your heart be troubled. This is a kind of beginner's liturgy. It is a non-communion setting, so you don't have the pressure of rightly handling the body and blood of Christ. You don't have to memorize how the altar is supposed to be set up. For beginning deacons and lay leaders, this is going to be your wheelhouse for a little bit, at least according to my recommendation. It's how I started when I was a vicar of starting with non-communion services, running it slowly, getting used to it, before moving on to the full expression of the liturgy. Now, the second free setting, when we publish that, that will be reserved for Communion Sunday. Historically, churches of a Hagian or Pietist background only have communion once a month. Oftentimes, that was because the only time a pastor was available to visit them was once a month. 
It's the same as the early Lutherans in the United States when they were out there on the frontier. You usually had to wait for a pastor to show up on some sort of circuit to consecrate the elements. And a lot of them didn't have the same way of looking at deacons as I do, and that's okay. But it resulted in the tradition of having communion once a month just because that was the most frequent they could have it. There were some churches full of poor souls who only had communion once a year. But in case you want to express your freedom as a house church and have communion with this first divine service, the next thing we are going to publish on the Very Lutheran Project website is going to be a communion addendum for this. And we'll keep adding to things until effectively you have a hymnal that you can print out for all of your house church needs. And maybe one day, a brick and mortar church as well. Now, I believe that the individual congregation is the right form of the kingdom of God on earth. I agree with Sverdrup. And that said, it is no sin to modify this liturgy to suit the needs of your individual congregation provided it is for unity, good order, and also honors our Lord's commandments. If you don't like the way I've worded something in here and you want to add to it for your house church, by all means, please do. Don't let the little copyright footer at the very bottom of this scare you. <laughs> I mostly just put that there because I'd prefer it if somebody gave credit to the VLP and maybe pointed people in that direction if they ever run into it. So that said, even if you have a church that you are very happy with, you should print this out. There may come a time when it is necessary. Maybe a devil, dog, disgusting, degenerate, heretic or something takes over your church after your pastor retires or there's some sort of scandal or... Who knows, maybe it'll be like the 90s when the big synods out there were stealing church buildings out from under the congregations and whole entire bodies, church bodies, were just dissolved overnight because of a liberalizing superstructure over them. That could happen to you. So please, it's free. Print it out. Have it at home just in case. That said, let's go ahead and get into how this works. We start off with a prelude of silence. Again, everybody's just going to take a moment to have some quiet. Instead of an organ prelude that is victorious and a wonderful procession, maybe with some incense swinging around, we are gathered together by our Lord for worship. Let us do it quietly in remembrance of those who have gone before us. And we have an opening prayer. O Lord, our Creator, Redeemer, and Sanctifier, we are gathered today to hear your holy word. By your grace, O Holy Spirit, we humbly ask that our hearts shall be open to the clear words of Scripture, that we may learn to repent of our sins and trust in our Lord Jesus for our salvation, growing day by day in faithfulness. Hear us for Christ's sake. Amen. At this time, you're going to notice a couple things. One is it says the leader of the service. It doesn't have to be a pastor. It could be a deacon. It could be a lay leader. Whoever is chosen by or whoever volunteers and is qualified 
for the position of leadership in the home church. So that second thing you'll see then is, I don't have directions for standing or kneeling. I don't know what your house looks like. I don't know if you have a high ceiling or a low ceiling or if somebody can't get up or can get up. That should be up to you if you are leading one of these home congregations, whether you want to do the traditional, everybody please rise for our opening prayer, or if you want to just simply say, let us pray. It's up to you. And that is throughout the entirety of this liturgy that how you want to conduct little things like that, it's according to your freedom. Now, after that, we have the invocation in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I have included the little cross markers for important parts of the liturgy or when it is in the plain, non-bolded, smaller text, an opportunity to uh, perform the sign of the cross, to cross yourself. Again, that's up to you. You might ask why the invocation is after the opening prayer. And my answer to that is, well, that's how they did it. This is based off of old free Lutheran liturgies, so I'm going to honor that. But in addition to that, the way that church works on Sunday is that God gathers you. Starting with an opening prayer that says, O oh Lord, we are gathered here. We pray that you are the one who then, according to your word, forgive us of our sins, sanctify us further, bring us closer to you. The invocation that says, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, that's great. I can't make that beginning on my own. So we rely on the Lord, knowing that the entirety of the service, with all of the graces granted to us, is God's work, not ours. So we ask first for him to make that beginning, and then, given the presence of God's word, then we say the invocation. Now after that, we can start with a hymn. Hymns are optional. If your home church doesn't want to sing hymns, or Perhaps you want to continue in the quiet atmosphere of the first free divine service. That is perfectly acceptable. If you do want to sing and you're like, hey, listen, Lutherans are the musical denomination. This is what we do. Please feel free to add a hymn. But I've included that note there. That uh, you could chant a psalm. You could sing a hymn. You could just have a moment of silence if you want, however you want to do it. The individual congregation is the right form of the kingdom of God on earth. I'm not going to budge on that. I'm not going to be here breathing down your neck telling you how to do things in your church. But I will present this liturgy for your benefit if you want to use it. So in this liturgy then, after that we have confession. Now, unfortunately, I don't have the time to read over every word here, but we are doing something a little different from how liturgy is conducted in most churches today. You're in a home church. You have a few people, maybe five to 12 people tops, doing church together. And typically in the Lutheran church, there is corporate confession, which absolutely is here. But there's never an opportunity to just say something that's been on your chest. Maybe you have a hard time believing that you're forgiven if you don't 
actually fully confess something out loud in public. So with that, we have an opportunity here. The leader, whoever is running the service says, should anyone desire to come forth and confess a sin he has committed, the opportunity is presented to him now. All hearing his confession are to know that you too are sinners, and as such are in no place to judge nor condemn the penitent. If you have any specific trespass that you wish to speak of, please do so now. Otherwise, we remember that even private sins are forgiven. Now, the point of this is, some people need to go to private confession to hear absolution and say, I'm sorry I did this. I was lazy at work or... You know, I, I got really, really mad at my kid, and the punishment went from correction to just me taking it out on him, and I know that was wrong. I'm sorry. Any number of things. It could be I had a few too many beers last night. I don't know. But if you really want to say that in front of your brothers and sisters in Christ, and you're in an environment where it's promised here, and they are commanded to not judge you or treat you differently, excellent, you have a moment to speak. And you can grow closer as a congregation on account of that, and you can help hold each other accountable in a healthy way of, hey, I heard you were struggling with this, you know, after church service. I heard that. I got a resource for you to help you out. But if you can't bring yourself to say it, if you have a really hard time with it, or maybe it just feels too heinous, maybe you don't feel right confessing that you were watching porn or something like that in front of uh, other believers or maybe the children that are present, remember that private sins also are forgiven. God's mercies are new every morning. So you have a few moments to do that. And the deacon or the lay leader, whoever's making the judgment call on how long that silence should be allowed without people speaking, then he says, let us confess our sins unto our Lord and to one another. For a moment, we remember our weakness. So for half a second, you have a little bit of silence, and then you all pray together. Now, if it's in bold font, everybody's saying it together. We say the same confession because we are all the same poor, miserable sinners at the end of the day. After we confess... We ask for God's mercy, alternating between the leader and the congregation. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. We've confessed our sins. And what does scripture say? If you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So, for absolution, it's going to be a little bit different than if you have, say, a full ordained minister with the entirety of the power of the keys at his disposal. But God is still going to forgive you even if you don't have that guy there to do that. So we say, dear friends in Christ, our Lord has died for our sins and risen again that we may be justified in the eyes of God our Father. Thus it is declared in John's epistle, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I therefore ask, do you believe this precious promise of mercy to be true? And of course, everybody ought to say, because it's the word of God making that promise, we believe and confess the mercies of God. So, here, you might say, I don't have the right to declare absolution to someone. 
I'm not an ordained minister. This is maybe a little inappropriate. Well, we can get to that. Strictly speaking, you do. But if it's really going to worry you, I've worded it very carefully. As the Lord has promised in Scripture, we rejoice to know, and I rejoice to declare, that now our sins are forgiven, our uncleanness removed, and our consciences made pure. God has said he will forgive you. I am only communicating what God's word has said. You don't have to see me as some sacerdotalist figure here. I'm your deacon, I'm your lay leader, or uh, maybe the head of the VLP is visiting your home church. <laughs> Something. We are here to rejoice that God's word is true. You've confessed it one to another and first to God, so God forgives as he promises. And then we thank our Lord with the Gloria. Now after that, there is the collect. Now what is a collect? Well, it's a seasonal or church week prayer. The deacon or the lay leader, whoever's running the service, it's up to him to find an appropriate collect for the church to pray now that we've been cleansed from our sins. And hopefully you have it ready before the service has started. Now, if people want some sample collects or for me to make some appropriate to the church year or in the church calendar, if you're a little bit too busy to find it or write one of your own, please feel free to email me at very underscore Lutheran at tutanota.com. I am more than happy to do that and start publishing them on the VLP website. But until then, it's easy to find collects online. It's easy to find them in old hymnals. Let me know. But until then, it suffices I've left that part of the liturgy more or less blank for you to find something that is appropriate. And the same thing with communion. This is a non-communion service, but I have included that little place there right after the collect for communion to be had. Now, some people coming from a higher church background might wonder why communion would come before scripture reading. The reason for it is actually pretty simple. We receive wonderful promises from Christ when we eat his body and drink his blood in the sacrament. The third use of the law says that it is out of gratitude that we obey Christ's commandments for us. We hear the Ten Commandments and we want to obey them. What's one of the Ten Commandments? The third commandment. You shall remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. How have Lutherans always seen that since the small catechism was published? We are to gladly hear God's word and to pay attention in church. If I've had communion before I hear the word of God, I am more likely to pay attention. I've just received Christ's body and blood. He has just shown me a miracle with his presence that will make me better at hearing the word of God and the sermon thereafter. Again, there's freedom in how you build liturgy. So if somebody decides, no, that's not appropriate, it's more traditional to have communion after the sermon, perfectly fine. That's up to you, which is why there will be a separate communion addendum published later. Now that said, we do get into the word after communion. The Old Testament and epistle readings, the leader is going to read it, or an appointed reader will do so. 
However, tasks are delegated in your home church perfectly fine if you have an appointed reader for people to participate more. But if people are expecting you to take more initiative as the leader of the home church, it's also perfectly good for you to be the reader. We have a lot of freedom. We have our traditions, but let our traditions serve us as Christians rather than the other way around. But speaking of tradition, I've included the higher church way of responding to the word of God. Typically, if you go to a free Lutheran church or a pietistic background church or a Hagian church, you'll find they would just read the scripture and say, so ends the reading, and then they would move on. But we want to thank God for providing his word. So for the Old Testament and epistle readings, it is, this is the word of our Lord, and everybody responds, thanks be to God. Same thing with the gospel reading. We have the traditional, this is the gospel of our Lord, and every good pietist responds, God be praised for his glad tidings. That is the traditional way of formulating a response of gratitude to what God has provided us. There was a time in the very early church when you were lucky to have a copy of Matthew and a copy of Ephesians, and that was the amount of Bible you had. It got pretty bad when the Roman authorities were telling people, hand over your Bibles. So, after we have read the Old Testament and epistle readings, because we understand that God's word inspires faith in us, then we recite the creed. It is the Apostles' Creed, not the Nicene Creed. Again, historically, free Lutheran churches have a Nicene Creed recitation on Communion Sunday and the Apostles' Creed on every other week. It is the spirit of simplicity that we are embracing here. But after that, there is another hymn, if you should so wish to have it. And then there's the sermon. Now, you can download my sermon transcripts all you want. No problem. Feel free. You could read it out loud if you'd like, or if you'd like, you could play it over audio. It, my job is to preach. That's what I do as an ordained minister. The office of the word is the primary office of the minister. So I provide sermons here for you all to use, whether it is reading or just playing the audio over a speaker, however you want to do it. That said, if you feel the call to preach, if there is a message and you want a clear conscience saying, listen, I, I haven't been ordained, I don't know what to do or whether this is right, email me. I can review it for you and you can get hopefully some pastoral approval over your message. And if there's something wrong or if you need some editing, let me know. But otherwise, I am happy to provide sermons and preaching for you. Now, after that, we have the Gloria Patri stated again, with a little bit different wording here. Why would we do that twice? First, we are thankful to God in absolution. I wholeheartedly believe that the Gloria is an expression of gratitude and praise to God. The Gloria Patri, same exact thing. When we do that together, we are saying, thank you, O Lord, for your word. Thank you for bringing your word to us and for bringing us to stronger faith in you. So after the sermon, we have a second Gloria. 
might be a little distinctive, maybe you're not quite used to it, so I did change up the wording a little bit on the first time, and now the second is more traditional. And then we go to the general prayer. Now it's an opportunity, now that we have thanked God for everything he has done for us, now we say, Lord, we have needs. And if people have needs in the little home church, in the congregation, it's good for them to be expressed, it's good for the lay leader to write them down, and for everybody to start actually having prayers. You can do this informally and say, Lord, this person has this issue. We pray for your blessing and your healing upon them. You can have specific prayers. If nobody has one, there is a general prayer that I have included here, a modified version of the general prayer from very, very, very old hymnals. And it is a longer one. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have the time to read it all here. You might notice there is some imprecation. Yes, I have plain imprecatory elements in this prayer because we have enemies and we need deliverance for them. And we pray that our enemies will repent, but if they will not, we pray for God to remove them. Simple as we need imprecation in our prayers in church more often. <laughs> Just no bones about it. We really do, especially against those people who have made Christ's church into a harlot. But whether or not you choose to pray the general prayer that I have provided, after that we really do need to pray as our Lord Jesus has commanded us. So we say, Lord Jesus Christ, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray, and then we pray together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And then continuing on with the theme of gratitude of the third use of the law coming in towards the end of the service then we have our hymn which you can sing a hymn it's again very optional then we have a benediction now, in case anybody feels as though the benediction especially in the Aaronic benediction ought to be reserved for ordained pastors people feel different things there I've included the simpler benediction that Christians have given to each other throughout the centuries. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. So now it's after that that we have an offering and announcements. I've included that just about at the end. Why? First of all, Announcements are about what we do. An offering is taken as something that we do. We give what God has given us. That's perfectly fine. But how does faith work? First, God brings us his law, and we repent of our sins. Then our Lord brings us his gospel, and we rejoice to be forgiven of our sins. Then we respond to the gospel in faithful obedience. And that can be with offerings. It can also be with announcements. Hey, what are we doing as a church body together? What is new for us? We start the church service looking upward to God. 
And then we end it, having been brought to healthy faith through our Lord's blessings, through his word, through absolution. Now we can look at one another and conduct ourselves in faith after the benediction, after the blessing. Now, if anybody has any questions on offering, how much do we do? What do we do with that money? That's up to you guys to decide. Personally, I fully admit it would be wonderful if house churches were making regular contributions to the Very Lutheran Project because this is a ministry. Uh, the word LLC there, yes, it is quote-unquote for-profit, but I'm happy to be financially transparent with anybody. If you decide to donate and tithe to the Very Lutheran Project, that's perfectly within your rights. Not required. If instead you want to reserve that money for your house church's coffers so you can help one another if a need comes in, or maybe you want to pay the deacon or the lay leader for his service, being the guy that puts all this together, however you want to do it, perfectly fine. As for the amount, I, I would say never go above 10%. God has never asked you for more than 10% of your income. We're not in Old Testament Israel where it was closer to 30%. <laughs> and even then, 10% is not required of Christians. Only that you do make an offering from a cheerful heart. And again, I'm not begging for money, but it is nice to receive donations. And I'm incredibly grateful for everybody that has donated. Now, the service finishes with prayer. It starts with prayer. It ends with prayer. If you are in the catacombs or if you are in a house church, if you are feeling the pressures out there from the world and everybody that persecutes Christians, we need to live on our knees, praying to the Lord. So it must start and end with prayer. I did include a tiny little note there that a postlude is optional. If you would like that, if you want a moment of silence after before dismissing the home congregation, or if you want some music for dismissal, perfectly fine. But this is designed to orient everything in this divine service around prayer. That is what Christians did when they didn't have priests. It's what they did when they were in hiding. Everybody spent the bulk of their time hearing the word as they were able and then praying. So we do as well. So that's it. That is the first free divine service up there for free on the resources tab of verylutheran.biz. For your benefit, for a just-in-case, break-in-case of emergency, oh no, I have to set up a house church real quick because something bad happened to my church, or I can't get to church because I'm traveling. Me and my family have to travel a whole lot and we just can't get to church. Here it is. <laughs> I hope and I earnestly pray that you benefit from it. We are your servants here at the Very Lutheran Project for all of your needs. If you have any questions, criticisms, anything that you think needs to be improved on it, I'm all ears. Send me an email. We'll be here for you. But until next time, I'll catch you all next week. Amen and amen.